1981, Hollywood was overcome by the blockbuster hit Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. And there's that iconic scene, you know, when, when he's running away and the boulders following behind him, so much so that it became a ride at Disneyland to this very day. But right before the boulder chase scene, there's that moment in which he's traversed through the temple and Indiana is sitting in front or standing in front of that gold statue and he pulls out this bag of sand because he knows what he has to do next. He has to make a perfect exchange of the weight of that gold statue in the sand and he takes a little sand out, just eyeballing it and quickly makes the exchange and takes the statue, takes a few steps, feeling confident only to see the stone tablet fall, and then we know how the rest begins. You see, in the exchange, what was important was that the weight needed to match. As we continue in our Hebrews teaching series, I can't help but think of that scene as we begin to talk about this topic this morning, about the role of the priest in the old Levitical code in the Old Testament. You see, the point of the priest was to make the exchange on our behalf, on the behalf of the people of God for the weight of their sin and for the weight of God's justice to be satisfied. You see, the weight of sin needs to be matched with the weight of the sacrifice. Every single time there's, there's, there's brokenness or sin against the will of God, against the character of God, there needed to be a sacrifice that matched that weight. That, 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 that a small sacrifice could never match for the weight of, of, a, of a heavy sin and vice versa. So I invite you to turn with me to the book of Hebrews this morning. We started the series off last week talking about how we have a tendency to drift back into our old thinking, our old ways. And here we're going to see the Jewish Christians were facing this idea of going back to the old way of exchanging, the old way of, of exchanging their sin in order to be made right with God. The author of Hebrews begins by saying this in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 2 and 3, and then continuing on. He says, For since... The message was spoken through angels was binding, and every violation, that idea of sin and disobedience, received its just punishment. How shall we escape it if we ignore so great a salvation? This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. Skip over to verse 10 with me as it continues. It says, In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy by the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. Then verses 17 and 18 wrap it up this way, saying, For this reason he, being Jesus, had to make like them fully human in every way in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Because he studied, or because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. See, from the outset, all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, when the fall of mankind and sin became uh, introduced into our lives, whether we like it or not, it needed to be handled. It needed to be addressed. As, as verse 2 says, it was binding and it needed to receive its just punishment. Because the thing is, is, if you don't handle your sin, your sin will begin to handle you. That if you don't get your sin taken care of, it will eventually catch up to you and take care of you in a way for all of eternity. 
We've talked about this before, that the word sin is kind of an archery term. It kind of means to miss the mark, to aim for the bullseye, but kind of not hit the target. It's a reference to our brokenness, our decisions, our, 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 our faults against God and his character, his will for our lives. And so because of that, there's a secondary need. There's a need for us to be made right with God, atoned for our sin. The Apostle Paul says uh, in the book of Romans, for the wages of sin is death, that the penalty, the debt that we incur because of our sin is death, eternal separation from God. And so the only way to defeat death is to defeat sin. And so that's what God came up with. He, he devised a plan. He devised a way so that we wouldn't have to bear the burden, the guilt, that we wouldn't necessarily have to pay the debt in order to be made right with God. And so in the Old Testament, there was the law and the Levitical code and the practice in which there was a required sacrifice that would match the weight of the sin, but it also required the work of a mediator. And so the sacrifice would be dependent on the weight of your sin. And there was all this code and okay, if you've sinned this much and this, that, and the other, then this is the sacrifice you would need to offer to, to, to make the exchange. But someone had to make the exchange on your behalf. And that's where the priest came into play. This chosen lineage from the line of Aaron, they were brought in to be the mediators between the people of God and God himself. But there's a little snag here. See, for centuries, atonement happened this way, but it was never sufficient. It was never full. It was always needed to happen again and again and again because the sacrifice was never quite perfect. Look what Hebrews says in chapter 5, verses 1 through 4. He says, Every high priest is selected from among the people and is appointed to represent the people in matters related to God, to other gifts and sacrifices for their sins. He is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and who are going astray since he himself is subject to weakness. This is why he, talking about the high priest, not Jesus, has to offer sacrifices for his own sins as well as for the sins of of the people, and no one takes this honor on himself, but he receives it when called by God, just as Aaron was. See, back then there was this, this group of people, uh, the priests, the great high priests, some of them, uh, in, in which they would kind of live in the tabernacle area, these three quarters that would represent this is God's presence, this is God's community. And before the priest could go on behalf of the people of God to atone, to make the exchange, they had to first what? They had to make themselves right because they were weak. They were full of sin in some ways. And so they would have to cleanse themselves, then take other sacrifices on behalf of other people. And it wasn't even until one day a year, the day of atonement, in which the high priest could go into the innermost spot of God's presence at that point the Holy of Holies, where there was the mercy seat and propitiation, the full exchange could be made. But there's always two hiccups in this code that neither the sacrifice nor the mediator was permanently sufficient. The thing is, they were never meant to be permanently sufficient. They were never meant to be necessarily the way that it covered everything. It was to be a reminder of God's goodness, his grace, his character, his desire for justice, but also his example of mercy. It was a foreshadowing that, that, that by faith in a sacrifice, a just sacrifice, a whole sacrifice, a pure sacrifice, we are made right with God. 
In Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1 says that, Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in your heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and what? High priest. We skip over to chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. It says, Therefore, since we have received a great high priest, being Jesus, who ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we possess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet, this is key, he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So there's this whole code, this old priest and these sacrifices, and yet here comes Jesus. The prophets talked about it. The Levitical code kind of set the foreshadowing and he enters in and he is perfect. Fully God, fully man, humbles himself, as Philippians chapter 2 says, to the point of death on a cross. Why? To be the perfect, permanent exchange of our sin for his life. He comes on our behalf, not just as the perfect sacrifice, but he's now the one who stands in our place. He is our mediator. He sits on the right hand of God and says, you can come too. Because I took your place, because I sit here instead of you, you are invited in to the presence of God now and for all of eternity. See, Jesus is the perfect priest because he himself is also the perfect sacrifice. That Jesus is not only our sacrifice, but he is also our mediator. That when the exchange of our sin for his grace, he also makes the exchange. We don't need someone to go on our behalf because he is the one who has already accomplished it. Like, imagine for a second uh, that, that, that you were on trial for a crime and you had a lawyer come in and, and, and he, was, he had your back and he was defending your case and yet you still had a debt to pay. There was still something that you had to pay the price for. And after defending you and, 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 and battling against the accusations, yet you were still found guilty, your lawyer steps in and says, don't worry about it. I'll take the punishment on your behalf. Nothing or no one can take your place before God or to do your bidding with him except for Jesus. And at the same time, too, there's nothing in your past that stands in between a right relationship between you and God if Jesus has fought for you. You see, he not only died, but he also ushers us in to the presence of God. Saying, I know the price because I paid it. I know the cost because I've been there. I know what you're feeling because I experienced that life too. And so the beauty for us as Christians, the beauty for us as disciples is that those who have confessed their sin, I am a sinner in need of grace and I accept the goodness and the free gift of salvation by the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. That when that is our confession, God does not see someone who has missed the mark. God does not see someone who cannot make a proper exchange. Instead, he sees someone holy, pure, perfect. He sees his sons and daughters who are part of his family. 
So as we continue to worship this morning, I want you to think about that. That as we get ready to sing, as we get ready to respond, as we get ready to partake in communion together, may we shout and praise his name. Because we don't need a priest to go on behalf of us that we've been given the perfect priest. We've been given Jesus himself, and that never goes away. It never fades. He always triumphs. So may we continue to worship that truth, that name, that majesty, and that glory as we continue to worship this morning.